Hi, everyone. So I'm going to talk to you today from the book of Jonah. It's one of those little books right at the end of the Old Testament. Um, I'm sure you've heard it as a kid. It's bizarrely a children's tale or, you know, it, it, we often hear it as um, almost like a nursery story, which is kind of weird to me because it's actually quite gruesome. And, um, but I want to get into it today because there's so much uh, amazing stuff in this book. And it's, so it's a, kind of nestled between Obadiah and Micah. It's one of those where I have to admit, I often have to go to the concordance to find find it because it just hides away. But anyway, let's start with Jonah 1. I am going to read uh, quite a chunk of this because I want you to hear it, not in your children's picture book version, but I want us to hear it right from the Word of God. So Jonah chapter 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amitti. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder before them. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you. Lord, you have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. And then chapter 2 goes on to say, Then the Lord provided a big fish, often depicted as a whale, to swallow Jonah up. And then we see in chapter 2, Jonah pray, but we'll come back to that in a minute. So at the end of chapter 2, we see that then he gets vomited up mm -mm, by the fish. He gets thrown up, spewed up onto the beach by this big, massive fish. So Jonah obeys God, he goes to Nineveh and says what God has asked him to do. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Unless they repented, unless they turned away from what they were doing, then the city was going to be destroyed. Then, a great result. They all decided to repent. They all put on their sackcloth and ashes, which was just a, a sign that they were repenting. The king called a fast. They all repented. This was exactly what God had intended. But 
Jonah was so mad because then it meant that God didn't destroy the city. He saved the city. And Jonah's walking around. He is really angry with God. He's like, how could you let these people survive? All of the things that they've done, and now you've made me look like a right idiot. It doesn't say that in the book. I'm paraphrasing. Read it for yourself. But he's definitely really annoyed. He is super annoyed with God. And he's so upset that he just says he wants to go out and die. So he goes and takes himself off and sits down in the heat, and it is so hot. He just wants to die. He is super having a pity party. And then God allows this big plant to grow up and cover him, and it gives him some nice shade. And he's loving this plant, and he's just sitting there. And then really quickly, this worm comes. It says God provided a worm to come and eat this plant. He's obviously feeling emotionally very, very um, raw at the minute because then he has another fit over this plant that's been destroyed. He is so upset with God for destroying his plant. And God was trying to teach him. He's like, look, did you nurture this plant? Did you look after this plant? And yet look how so upset you are that I've destroyed it. How much more upset would I be if I destroyed the city of Nineveh? Because even though they were at war against God's people, they were enemies of God's people. Jesus still loved them. God still loved them enough that he sent Jonah to um, give them the message so they could repent and come back. Because God did not want to destroy that city of Nineveh. But there's so many things in this story of Jonah and why it's one of my favorites. So I'm just going to nip through a few of the things that I love bringing out of this story of Jonah First of all, it strikes me that the task that God gave Jonah was a specific task for Jonah. It wasn't a sin to go to Tarshish. It wasn't a sin to board on that boat. It was absolutely fine for those sailors, and it was absolutely fine for many other people that day that probably went to a different place. But Jonah had disobeyed God. He had gone somewhere where God said, no, I've asked you to do something else, and I've asked you to go somewhere else. And the story of Jonah really resonates with me because there was a few years back, I really wanted to move south. I love Wimborne is one of my favorite towns. Julian's not such a big fan, but I love it. And everything within me, it, I'd really got a bee in my bonnet that I just wanted to move south. I wanted to go there. And then my sister got married from someone in that area, and she moved south. And I'm like, okay, come on, God. This will be amazing. Let's go. And I knew. I kept thinking about it, and I kept praying about it. And God was like, no, I've got a calling for you here. Your job is here. And then... Not to add insult to injury, but to test me even further, my mum and dad moved to south, moved south, moved exactly where I wanted to go. And again, it was completely fine for them because it, for them, God gave the green light. It was absolutely fine for them to go and it was good for them to go. But for me, the green light wasn't given. And God really impressed on me very clearly. You will not be like Abraham. Look up that reference yourself. You will be like Jonah. You will have disobeyed and you will cause shipwreck on your life if you go. Now that might seem tough, but I know and I trust God. And I'm so thankful that we didn't go because actually everything we're doing now, I see us right in the middle of the calling that God had for us. So I use that as my barometer. Jonah is a really important story for me because because in a lot of the big decisions I make, am I being a Jonah? Am I going in the, in the way of obedience or disobedience? And it's a really important barometer for me. Secondly, I love this. Don't pay too much attention to your feelings. Now we know not to pay attention to the bad feelings. You, you don't make big decisions when you're feeling depressed or down or angry or upset. But equally, don't 
Don't make those decisions just because you feel a peace about it. How many times have we heard, oh yeah, it must be God's will because I feel peace? Let me just add a little caution there. Because Jonah was absolutely, consciously disobeying God, yet he was in a deep sleep in the middle of that shipwreck. Other people were panicking around him. He had total peace. He was absolutely fine having a lovely sleep in the bottom of that ship. So just be wary. Just because you feel a peace about it, your mind can really play tricks with you. Just because you feel peace, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's still God's will. The Word of God, that's where you want to go. Really praying, really seeking. If it doesn't line up with God's will and it doesn't line up with God's Word, then no amount of peace overrules that. So just... That's a nice little sideline. And thirdly, sometimes if we're in a total mess in our lives, it can be really helpful to go back and ask God, is there somewhere I missed you? Is there somewhere where I disobeyed you? Is there somewhere where I went left and you asked me to go right? And whatever that could mean, that could mean so many different things for so many different people. Because as I said, God is specific. So what might be fine for this person here might not have been okay for you, and only you and the Holy Spirit know that. But we'll come back to more of that in a bit. So back to Jonah. He's thrown overboard. Can we just wrap our heads around this for a second? You know, him disobeying God wasn't just a bit, oh, I feel, you know, not very close to God or a bit disconnected with church. He was thrown overboard. He could have died, but then God provided a great big fish. I I don't see that we're going to be asked to do that anytime soon. But what I love is even in that, he doesn't curse God and just lie there and die. If you read that prayer all the way through in chapter 2, it says that, you know, he vowed to make good because he knew that salvation was so important. And that prayer, you know, I've seen, you know, we can say or we call out to the Lord in our distress. You know, we're not in distress today. It might be inconvenient. It might be upsetting. But I don't think we're quite in that area of we're in the middle of a belly of a fish right now. But again, it just shows that the Lord will answer our prayers in times of distress. So as I, if, as I said, if there is a bad shipwreck in your life, if things just are going wrong, if everything is just a mess, it's maybe take that time to go back. Was there a point where I was disobedient? Now, Every time I say disobedient, you might get a twinge of annoyance of me, like, you don't know me, Sarah. How dare you? Don't judge me. I can't judge you. I'm I'm looking at a camera screen at the minute. But what I really do hope is that actually when I read this and when I speak about these words is that the Holy Spirit will just impress on you those moments where actually, no, do you know what? This point here in your life, that, that wasn't my will for you. This point here, that wasn't what I'd asked of you. And, you know, there's no condemnation, but what I want to encourage you and why I want to speak this word today is that you can take Jesus back there with you and you can just ask him to forgive you. And, you know, you might not be able to make it right. Maybe it was a crossword. Maybe it was something that happened with parents that are no longer with you. You can't go back and apologize. You can't go back and and physically change it. But what you can do is stop justifying it. And you can go back and just acknowledge that actually, no, that was disobedience, that actually what I did, what I said, what I chose, then was not of the will of God. 
And just let God really work um, in and through that. Let the forgiveness of God go through that. But it only happens when we ask. You know, the people of Nineveh were evil people. Jonah was right to be a bit upset. They were horrible people. They were against God's people. But God still loved them so much that he wanted a chance for them to be saved. It kind of only lasted about 100 years because then in the end, Nahum had to come and, and they were destroyed and there are no line of the people of Nineveh any longer because they didn't get it right. They, they were eventually destroyed. But God loves each one of us so much that even today, maybe you're hearing this because he says, I don't want shipwreck in your life anymore. Take Jesus there with you and let him just really just work through that forgiveness in your life. You know, it does seem to come to an abrupt end, the story of Jonah. It seems to just stop. So Jonah has his hissy fit about the plant. God tries to teach him, I love this city. I love the people. I, don't, I didn't want to destroy them. And then it just ends. And you kind of left feeling a bit unresolved. But then I love it because later in Matthew 12, Jesus actually talks about Jonah because the Pharisees are asking him for a sign. And the Pharisees are saying, you know, are, are trying to trick Jesus. They're trying to trip him up. They're trying to ask him for all these different things. And Jesus replies to the Pharisees here, starting from verse 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. And this is what excites me about that story of Jonah. This is what turns it from being a children's story, from being one of those just weird little books at the end of the um, Old Testament, into something that needs to be listened to, something that needs to, you need to stand up and pay attention to it. Because here, for me, Jesus validates everything Jonah did. I love that. However many hundred years later, Jonah is validated here. But also, it's a wonderful, not just a prophetic word for the people at Nineveh in that time of Jonah, but it was also a prophetic symbol of what Jesus was going to do. Because then Jesus, we know, was in the grave for three days, three nights. And that was for our redemption. That was for our saving. And I love that picture of that because Jesus here was showing, you know, actually it was going to be worse for that pharisaical generation, the ones that refused to see Jesus as the Messiah, the ones that refused and, um, to, to want to be saved through Jesus Christ, that actually for them it was going to be even worse than it was for the people in Nineveh. But what's also amazing is Jonah's word maybe saved that city at the exact time, but what Jesus did has saved everyone in that generation, but also everyone that's been born ever since. To our generation, we can still be saved because of what Jesus did. We don't have to, and this is why I said we don't have to go into a belly of a whale because Jesus has done that time for us. And that's why in those things, when we've made shipwreck of our lives, we take Jesus with us and we say, Jesus, for what you've done, he spent that time in the grave and he justified us. So we can go with him and say, Jesus, I don't justify myself anymore, but I take you with me and I ask for forgiveness. And that's what we have to do is just ask for forgiveness. 
There are many fascinating nuances in the book of Jonah, in the story of Jonah, how it compares to Jesus' life, all the little things that you can bring out of it. Maybe we'll do a study on it, we'll do a series on it one day, because there are so many more things. But for today, I just really wanted to look at, I focus on the message for us to listen to God, to make sure we're listening and obeying God, to make sure that we don't take those feelings of peace, that it's a sign that all is well, just to still question those. And also that disobedience causes shipwreck, often not just to ourselves, but to many of those around us. It can disrupt all that is around us. But there is always a way back. As I said, Jonah's way back was through the belly of a whale. Our way back is through Jesus Christ. So if you want more information on that, and if you want prayer for that, if there's a specific thing you want to pray, then connect with us today in all the usual ways. Because I want to introduce to you this amazing man called Jesus, who spent that time, who did our time in the deep and the dark so that we didn't have to. And all we have to do is acknowledge him as our saviour and ask him forgiveness. Thanks for listening.